part two of book two of on the laws by marcus tullius cicero translated by charles duke young this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by geoffrey edwards part two of book two marcus our next legal maxim is that we should retain whatever is best in our ancient customs when the athenians consulted the pythian apollo what religious observances they should chiefly cultivate the oracle answered quote, those which were in accordance with the customs of their ancestors Close quote. and when the athenians came to consult the oracle again alleging that the customs of their ancestors had been often changed and desired to know which custom they should select from the variety the oracle replied the best and indeed the truth is that for the most part that is to be accounted the most ancient and the nearest the gods which is the best we have by another legal maxim prohibited the levy of rates for private emoluments with the exception of those that are made during a few days in honour of Sibylle. Such a custom fills men's minds with superstition, and impoverishes their families. We have awarded a due punishment for all sacrilegious persons, not those only who rob a temple, but also those who steal anything which has been entrusted to a temple, a custom which exists in many temples thus alexander is said to have consigned a sum of money in the temple of soli in cilicia and cleisthenes the athenian a very worthy citizen when he thought his fortune was in danger consigned his daughter's dowries to the care of juno in her temple at samos we must now come to the question of perjury with regard to the laws against incest this is not the place to say anything let impious criminals listen to plato that they may not dare to attempt to propitiate the gods with gifts for he forbids us to doubt what feelings god must entertain towards such when even a good man is not willing to receive presents from a wicked one diligence in paying our vows and care in making them as obligations to god is sufficiently enjoined in the law but the punishment of those who violate the sacred rites of religion cannot reasonably be objected to why need i here cite the examples of those impious wretches of whose crimes and punishments the tragedies are full let us rather speak of those things which come under our own observation and though i am apprehensive lest the following may seem to have surpassed the usual fortune of men yet as our present conversation is so familiar and confidential between ourselves i will hide nothing and i trust that what i shall say may be looked upon rather as a mark of my gratitude towards the immortal gods than as a piece of offensive boasting at that time all the laws of religion were polluted by the wickedness of abandoned citizens during the period of my banishment my domestic gods and lares were violated and a temple to licentiousness built on the ruins of their edifice 
while he who alone could defend them was driven from their altars consider then a moment for i need not mention names what was the termination of such proceedings i who suffered not the statue of minerva the guardian of our city to be polluted by impious hands during the universal ruin of my house and property and who conveyed her safely from my home to the temple of her own father did i not by thus acting obtain the suffrage of the senate and italy and in short of all nations of the earth as the preserver of my country than which what more glorious thing could happen to mortal man and of my enemies on the other hand who had abominably violated the sacred rights of religion some were put to confusion and banished into different countries but those who were their chiefs and who headed them in all their crimes and impieties not only suffered degradation during life but were denied the privilege of sepulture and funeral ceremonies quintus yes my brother you have described these events as they occurred and we cannot feel too grateful to the gods but we too often see conduct of this kind meet with a very different requital marcus that is because we judge not as we ought to judge respecting divine punishments but we are carried by the tide of public opinion into error and do not discern the true nature of things we estimate the miseries of man by death pain of body sorrow of mind or judicial punishments which i grant are accidents to which mankind is liable and are such as have befallen many good men and there is a grievous punishment of guilt which is in itself an evil of infinite magnitude even exclusive of the external results which attend it i have seen those who had they not been enemies to their country would never have been foes to me tormented beyond description by their own bad passions racked with concupiscence and with terror and evil conscience at one time through fear not knowing what to do at another contemning religion breaking down all the enactments of justice and corrupting the judgments of men though they could not corrupt the gods but i must restrain myself and go no further in invective and i have the less occasion to do so because my vengeance has already been carried beyond my desire i would only lay it down that thus much is proved that the divine punishment is of a twofold nature inasmuch as it consists in the pangs of conscience while they live and in such a character of them after they are dead that their destruction is approved of by the judgment and satisfaction of the living i entirely agree with plato that private estates ought not to be consecrated who if i can but translate them correctly uses nearly these words Quote, the earth therefore is consecrated to all the gods as the grand altar of all homes therefore let no one consecrate a second time what is already consecrated as to gold and silver in cities or in private houses or in temples this sort of property is but a hateful thing to be consecrated 
as to ivory which is extracted from a lifeless body it is scarcely pure enough to be a gift for the gods brass and iron are the instruments of war not of a temple with regard to wood if any one wishes to dedicate a statue of wood to a divinity let it be formed from a single tree the same remark applies to the statues of stone in common temples as to the airy woven work it should not be more elaborate than a woman can make it in a month and the colour white is most agreeable to god in general and especially so in woven fabrics and let there be no dyed colours excepting on military decorations and the most suitable offerings which we can offer to the gods are birds and other simple figures such as one painter may draw in one day and let the other gifts have the same character of simplicity such is the opinion of plato for my part i am not quite so strict in my limitations having to regard both the present tone of public morals and the luxurious habits of the times besides i suspect that agricultural industry would languish if superstitious ceremonials were allowed unduly to interfere with the cultivation of the ground by the instruments of husbandry atticus i understand you it remains for you to speak on the perpetual sacrifices and the rites of the manes marcus what a wonderful memory you possess my atticus i had forgotten that point atticus very likely nevertheless i recollect these things the better and expect them with more anxiety because they are associated both with the pontifical and civil law marcus very true and on these points our statutes and written enactments are very clear and distinct and for my part throughout all this familiar conversation to whatever kind of law our discussion may conduct me i will treat of our civil jurisprudence with as much simplicity as possible in such a manner that you may easily distinguish on what principle every legal case depends so that it will not be difficult for any one possessed of a moderate share of intelligence to find the rights of the question whatever new cause or consultation shall arise when he shall know how to refer the points of debate to their appropriate maxim but unhappily our lawyers either for the sake of raising casuistical objections in order that they may seem to know more difficult points than they really understand or as is most likely through ignorance of the art of teaching and conveying instruction for not only is art shown in knowing a thing but there is also a certain art in teaching it our lawyers i say often divide a legal doctrine which is essentially simple into an infinite variety of technical distinctions with relation to our present topic for instance what a wonderful cloud of sophistries has been raised by the two sivalas both pontiffs and both equally skilful in the law Quotes, often says publius the son quote, have i heard from my father that no one can make a good pontiff unless he understands the civil law what the whole of it 
why so what in the world has a pontiff to do with the rights of partition walls aqueducts etc or does he mean only that part of the civil law which is connected with ecclesiastical polity but how inconsiderable is this with the exception of certain sacrifices vows holidays burials and things of that kind why then should we make these of so much importance when the others are so insignificant concerning those sacrifices however which topic is a more extensive one this should be our only opinion that they should be preserved perpetually and pass in succession through families so that as i have stated in my account of the law the sacred rites may be constant on this principle the pontiffs have decided that these rites should be handed down through all generations so that their memorial should not fail with the life of the ancestor and that their obligations should devolve on those who inherit the family estates on this principle alone which might suffice for the regulation of all relative cases have our lawyers raised innumerable quibbles which fill their books they demand forsooth who are bound to administer these sacred rites common justice evidently points out the heir of the deceased for there is no other person who more appropriately occupies the position of him who has departed next to the heir stands the legatee who by the death of the deceased or by virtue of his will sometimes takes as much as all the heirs all this is implied in the maxim and perfectly corresponds to its design thirdly if there be no heir the obligation attaches to him who takes the largest share of the goods which belong to the deceased fourthly if there be no heir or legatee who receives anything it binds the chief creditor who gains the largest share of the estate the last person on whom the obligation of discharging the sacred rites can fall is the debtor of the defunct who not having discharged the debts he owed him will stand in the same position as if he had received a legacy to an equivalent amount it is thus that sivala instructed us in many points of law which were not so defined by our forefathers for they regulated the whole business in the following simple terms Quote, a person may become liable to the obligation of discharging the sacred rights of the deceased in three ways first as the heir secondly as the legatee who takes the greater part of the property thirdly as the largest creditor in case the estate is encumbered but we learn one thing from sivala the pontiff namely that all the new arrangements depend on a single principle which is the wish of the priests to attach the money to the sacred rites and they judge all festivals and ceremonies by the same rule the sivalas likewise establish this regulation when there is a division of the inheritance namely that if a due allowance is not set down in the legacy and the legatees receive less than all the heirs they should not be bound to discharge the sacred rites in donations however 
they interpret the same thing in quite a different manner and ratify whatever the ancestor shall approve in the donation of a person under his superintendence and do not ratify whatever has been done without his approbation and participation on such topics a thousand little questions arise which any one who does not at once understand them may solve by himself by referring them to their proper maxim and principle for instance if through fear of being charged with the sacred rites a legatee took less than his legacy and afterwards one of the heirs of this legatee claimed on his own account that portion which the legatee had relinquished and these two sums joined together equal that which was bequeathed to all the heirs then he who claimed this relinquished portion would be bound to perform the sacred rites without encumbering his co-heirs they determine however with regard to the legatee that where the legacy is too great to be lawfully exempted from these rights he may pay a part by weight and balance to the testamentary heir so that in this case the heir being charged the money of the legatee is no further liable on this point as on many others i should be glad if you two sivalas supreme pontiffs and shrewd and able men as i confess you to be would inform me why you seek to perplex the pontifical law with the subtleties of the civil law for you in fact supersede the simple maxims of ecclesiastical jurisprudence by the endless technicalities of the civil legislation if the sacred rites are thus conjoined with pecuniary interests they are so by your authority as pontiffs rather than by any law of national obligation so long indeed as you remain pontiffs your pontifical jurisdiction will continue but as you happen to be exceedingly knowing in the civil law you may be able to elude the plainest maxims of the ecclesiastical for instance publius civila coruncanius and other chief pontiffs have determined that those legatees who take as much as all the heirs should be bound to discharge the sacred rites such is the pontifical law now what has been added to it by the civil law a rule of distributions composed with the utmost caution in favour of the legatee for by the deduction of a hundred sesterces they have discovered a method of delivering the legatee from this troublesome duty if however the testator omitted to make this proviso for the legatee then this very mucius the pontiff who is also a lawyer has contrived a new expedient in his favour he has but to take less than all the heirs and he gets a release our forefathers had stated with admirable good sense that those to whom the property came should discharge the sacred rites but these pontiffs have rid them of all such obligations as to the other quibble it had no place in the pontifical law and existed only in the civil code i mean the sale by weight and balance in order to discharge the testamentary heirs and 
placed the business in the same condition as if the legacy had not been granted the legatee stipulating with respect to his legacy that he should pay over a certain sum by stipulation and so footnote there is a hiatus here the translation in the text is that of the conjectural restoration of lambinos and footnote bracket i now come to the rites of the manes or ghosts of the dead which our ancestors most widely instituted and most religiously observed they therefore ordained that the people should sacrifice for the ghosts of the dead in the month of february then the last month in the year by the ecclesiastical calendar decius brutus however according to the writings of sicena usually discharged these ceremonials in december when i consult my own knowledge for the reason of this proceeding i think i discover the cause which induced brutus to depart from the ancestorial custom the cause that sicena assigns for brutus's non-observance of this ancient institution was his ignorance of its obligation but it does not seem to me likely that brutus would have so rashly neglected an institution of our ancestors for he was close bracket, a learned man and a great friend of axius i therefore conclude that brutus considered december to be the last month in the year as the ancients did february which was so called when the institution was originated he likewise conceived that it was a part of piety to offer the most important victims with regard to the rite of sepulture it is so sacred a thing that all confess it should be discharged in consecrated ground and if possible in the land belonging to the family thus in the times of our ancestors torquatus decided respecting the popelian family and certainly the denicale feasts so called from the latin words denece implying deliverance from death would not have been appointed as holidays in honour of the dead as well as other celestials unless our ancestors who have departed this life were believed to have passed into the number of deified beings the privilege of fixing these among those when there are no peculiar festivals or public holidays and the whole composition of the pontifical law on this subject proves the great sanctity and importance of this religious custom and of these ceremonials it is unnecessary for us at present to explain the proceedings of families in funeral ceremonies what kind of sacrifice should be offered to the lares from the rams of the flock how the bone which remains unconsumed must be covered with earth how in some cases it is necessary to sacrifice a sow when the sepulchre is to be considered as consecrated and such minute details it appears to me however that the kind of sepulture which cyrus according to xenophon solicited for himself is the most ancient of all for it is a kind of restitution which we make to the earth of a body which as a mother she produced and as a mother takes back to her protecting bosom 
in the same manner we are told that our ancient king numa was interred in that sepulchre which is near the altar of the fountain and we know that the cornelian family has likewise used this form of burial till a period within our own recollection the conqueror Sila, however ordered the corpse of marius to be disinterred from his grave on the banks of the anio impelled to this barbarous brutality by an implacable resentment which he would not have indulged if he had been as wise as he was vehement perhaps it was through fear that the same accident might happen to himself that he ordered that his body should be burned after his death a custom he was the first to introduce in the patrician family of the corneli for in the epitaph of scipio africanus ennius says here lies the body etc and the word lies is only applied in this way to them who are buried in sepulchres though perhaps tombs should not be entitled sepulchres till the last rites have been consummated and the corpse consumed by fire the verb to inhume which is now commonly applied to the burial of the deceased is most appropriate to those corpses that are interred after being burned the pontifical law proves this usage for before the ground is thrown over them the spot where the body is burned has no religious reverence attached to it when the earth is thrown over the corpse then it is inhumed and the tomb is called a sepulchre and many religious rites are performed in order to consecrate it so publius mucius determined with regard to a person who had been killed in a ship and then cast into the sea that his family was pure from any charge of neglect to the deceased inasmuch as no bone remained on the earth in which case his heir must have sacrificed a sow to his manes if on the contrary a bone had remained on the earth he considered that fasts should have been appointed to last three days and that a sow should likewise have been sacrificed if the deceased had died in the sea and all the same ceremonies should have been observed with the exception of the expiation and the holidays atticus i am well aware of these rules of the pontifical statutes but what do our civil laws say marcus little enough on this subject my atticus and nothing which i do not suppose that you are acquainted with already and what they say has less regard to the religious ceremonials then to the rites of sepulchres a law of the twelve tables orders that a dead person shall neither be buried nor burned within the city i suppose on account of the danger of fire but the addition of this expression nor burned indicates that the corpse which is burned is not so properly said to be buried as one which is put underground atticus how is it that notwithstanding this law of the twelve tables so many of our great men have been buried in the city marcus i believe my atticus that those who have been so buried have been either those to whom this privilege was granted before the law was made 
such as publicola and tubertus on account of their virtue and that their descendants have rightfully succeeded to it or those who like gaius fabricius have been discharged of their obligations to this law because of their virtue but the civil law does forbid burials in the city and in the same spirit the pontifical college has decreed that it is unlawful to raise a sepulchre in the public places you know the temple of honour outside the collinian gate we learn from tradition that there was in ancient times an altar on the spot and it appears from a medal discovered there on which was inscribed quote, the mistress of honour and this was the reason why that temple was so dedicated but as there were many sepulchres in the neighbourhood they were ploughed up when the city was enlarged for the pontifical college ordained that public places could not be bound by private consecrations another provision we find in the twelve tables intended to obviate the superfluous expenses and extravagant mournings at funerals almost literally translated from the laws of solon quote, never carve or polish a funeral pile close quote. you recollect what follows for we learned the twelve tables when schoolboys as an indispensable lesson which however no one learns now let extravagance therefore be diminished to three suits of mourning with purple bands and ten flute players excessive lamentations are also to be prohibited by this rule quote, let not the women tear their cheeks or make the lessus or funeral wailings those ancient interpreters of our laws sextus aelius and lucius achilius have said they could not understand this regulation but that they suspected it referred to some peculiar funeral ceremonials aelius defined the word quotes, lesus to be a kind of lugubrious ejaculation or shriek which i think likely enough since solon's law likewise forbids such lamentations these rules are very commendable and equally practicable by the rich and poor and they are eminently conformable to nature who sweeps away by mortality all the distinctions of fortune the twelve tables have likewise abridged those other funeral pomps which tend to augment sorrow for they thus declare quote, do not collect the bones of the dead when their funerals are over Close quote. an exception is made with regard to those who die in battle or in a foreign land besides these laws there are others with regard to unction which forbid a servile embalmment of the corpse and all kinds of funeral banquets which are justly abrogated but which would not have been so had they not been abuses quote, there shall likewise be no expensive respersions no large crowns or censers of perfume it is certain however that the ornaments gained by merit do belong to the dead 
because the law enjoins that such a crown should be placed on the deceased who has deserved it by his virtue and on his nearest relation without any wrong being done thereby and because i suppose it had got to be a custom that many funeral ceremonies were celebrated for one man or many funeral processions arranged for any one deceased and since in the law there was this clause that gold should not be buried with the dead how humane is the exception made by another law that if the teeth of the deceased were fastened with gold the corpse might be buried or burned without taking it away and no wrong be done from which expression we might deduce another argument that burial and burning were considered different things besides these there are two laws respecting sepulchres one of which relates to the houses of private persons and the other to the family vaults themselves for one prohibits the erection of a funeral pile or pyre nearer than sixty feet to a neighbor's house without its proprietor's consent for fear of conflagration the other ordained that the sepulchre and its vestibule should not be subject to use a caption and thus defends the rights of sepulchres these regulations we find in the twelve tables and indeed they are very conformable to nature which is the principle of law the other portion relates to customs how funerals should be announced whether any games should be allowed whether the master of the ceremonies shall employ a herald and lictors it permits the praises of the honourable dead to be commemorated in a panegyric and accompanied by songs to the music of flutes of which dirges are called ninii a name which the greeks gave also to funeral lamentations quintus i am delighted that our laws are conformable to nature and i am above measure pleased with the wisdom of our ancestors marcus yet i believe my quintus that as in the case of other expenses so a moderation in those of funeral pomps and ceremonials is very properly required for you may see in the funeral of figulus to what an excess these extravagances were carried but i think that there was formerly far less ambition for this kind of extravagance than at present prevails otherwise there would be many examples of it in the records of our ancestors and indeed the interpreters of our law understand that in the chapter of the law which forbids profuse and excessive mourning and expense in honour of the manes the superfluous magnificence of sepulchres is also especially commanded to be curtailed nor has this important subject escaped the attention of the wisest legislators for they say that the custom of interring the dead in the greek mode has continued at athens ever since the time of cecrops and that immediately after such interments the next relatives when they had cast the earth over the dead scattered the seeds of vegetables over the spot in order that the earth might like a mother take her lifeless son to her bosom and then by the expiation of seed might again be restored to the living 
then followed a banquet which the relatives attended crowned with flowers and at this banquet they pronounced eulogiums on the deceased when anything could be truly said in his favour for it was reckoned impious to lie on such occasions and thus the ceremony terminated in process of time as demetrius phalereus assures us the funerals began to become sumptuous and the morning lamentations were extravagantly multiplied these abuses were prohibited by solon's law which our decemvirs have translated almost word for word in our twelve tables for our rule respecting the three suits of mourning and other customs were thus derived from solon's regulation and that edict respecting the mourning is expressed in his precise words quote, let not the women tear their cheeks nor indulge their wailing at funerals in solon's law respecting funerals there are no further directions than that he forbids any one injuring sepulchres and all introduction of any other body into them he makes it penal for any one to violate throw down or break any tomb for that is what i suppose he means by timbos or funeral monument or column but after a short time the extravagance of the mausoleums which we see built in the karamakos and cemetery gave occasion to that law which prohibits private persons from erecting any sepulchre more elaborate than ten men can construct in three days and even those it was not permitted to adorn with sculpture nor to place the statues they call mercuries around them nor to pronounce any panegyric of the dead excepting in the case of a public funeral nor might such panegyric be delivered by any one else except the man who was publicly appointed to perform that duty eulogiums of men and women were likewise forbidden that the lamentations might be diminished for such collections of people on melancholy occasions tend to augment unavailing sorrow on which account pitacus expressly forbade any one from attending the funerals of those that were strangers to him but the same demetrius also informs us that the magnificence of funeral processions and ceremonials grew to such a height as nearly to equal our fashions at present existing at rome these demetrius restrained by a wholesome law for he was not only as you are aware a very learned man but a most experienced citizen devoted to the preservation of the state he therefore diminished the expense of funerals not only by penalties but by a limitation of time as he commanded that they should be performed before sunrise he also established a rule of moderation for all new sepulchres for he would not allow any erection on the mound of earth save a little column three cubits high or a tombstone or tablet and he appointed a regular magistrate to superintend these observances such my atticus were the laws enforced among your athenians but let us see what plato says who allots to the ministers of religion the charge of regulating funerals a custom which we also observe these are his words respecting sepulchres 
do not use as a burial place any portion of land which is either cultivated or which may be so but such a soil as by nature is only suitable for receiving the bodies of the dead without detriment to the interests of the living as to a field which is capable of bearing fruit and as a mother supplying us with food let no one by any means injure it whether he be living or dead and let no sepulchre be built to a greater elevation than five men can raise in five days nor let a tablet be made any larger than is required for the reception of an epitaph on the deceased in four heroic verses which ennius calls long verses we have therefore the authority of the illustrious plato also in our favour on the subject of sepulchres he likewise regulates the funeral expenses by the fortune of the family from one mina to five he then repeats what he had before said respecting the immortality of the soul and the tranquillity of the good after death and the punishment of the wicked i have now i believe sufficiently explained all the laws which relate to religious rites quintus you have my brother and most copiously too but now proceed to the other branch of our subject marcus it is my intention to do so and since you urge me to these discussions i will endeavour to bring our argument to a conclusion and if possible in the course of the day for i find that plato did the same and that the whole of his disquisition on the laws was completed in one summer day i will therefore try to imitate him and will next speak of magistrates for after religion is once established that is the part of the next greatest importance with reference to keeping together the republic atticus proceed then and preserve the same method in which you have begun end of book two recording in memory of mitchell edwards